This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 602 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by Eco Gold Saddle Pads and Protective Boots for your equine athlete. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is about navicular disease, what it is, and what we can do about it. It is an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report found on the Horses in the Morning Show, episode number 348. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Eco Gold. Eco Gold uses the latest developments in textile engineering plus smart design to make the most advanced saddle pads and protective boots available. Here's what two-time Canadian Olympic three-day coach, international competitor, and author Jane Savoy has to say about Eco Gold pads. I love the Eco Gold dressage pad. I love the way it looks and how it stays perfectly in place. But most importantly, I love the frictionless feature that ensures that my horses are happy. If you care about your horse's comfort, you'll love this pad too. Ask for Eco Gold frictionless saddle pads at your local tax supplier store or visit them online at ecogold.ca. Now, enjoy today's tip. Oh, well, hey, Dr. Jones. So we're going to talk about navicular this morning. Um, and that has, it came up because we are running this Western Performance article in, in the March issue, the print issue of the horse. Uh, so if you get that print issue, you can see that, or you can go to thehorse.com and uh, get a digital subscription to see that article on Western Performance. But, you know, with these Western horses, navicular comes up, it seems like it comes up all the time. So Dr. Jones and I started talking about that. Why, why is it Western horses that are so commonly associated with navicular disease? And well, is it just the Western horses, or does everyone else deal with it, too? Well, Michelle, if I can just jump in before we get to it, you know, it mm-hmm. just came up in, in my life as well because I'm in the market for a lesson horse. And, oh, we've got this great quarter horse, totally dead broke, super sweet, uh, but it has had some trouble with navicular in the past. And so I'm still, like, kind of in, in consideration, like, for this, I mean, I haven't gone and seen it yet, but that just made me think: What is navicular? What, what how is? Can it be treated? Is it something that is manageable? And I, I, it's so perfect. You guys are talking about it today, so I'm really excited. It touches even English people, you know. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Well, Jamie, thank you for saying that because it does touch English people, and it's not English people in horses. We've seen this syndrome an issue in warm bloods. So it's not just strictly a quarter horse disease, uh, but there's plenty of quarter horses out there, and the numbers just seem to be a little bit higher statistically to, to see it more commonly in that breed. Um, the other thing, too, is we've bred all these different breeds, um, warm bloods, Arabs, quarter horses, for things that we like, not necessarily for functional things, but things we like. And um, the biggest pointed uh, problem you hear about navicular syndrome is you got these big, beautiful quarter horses shown in halter with these little tiny feet, and mm-hmm. that has been the biggest complaint. You get a big, heavy horse on a very small foundation, 
And I'll have to say that, yeah, that is true. We do see the smaller hooves or hoof to be a problem hoof. And what necessarily is a problem in there, you don't know until you start, you know, evaluating it and looking into it. But a lot of times it's the heel area. Why the heel area? It takes the biggest blow of the leg. It takes all the flexion, takes all the pounding, especially in the forelimbs. So just structurally, if you think about it, it makes sense. And why do we see it as a Western problem? Because the population of quarter horses is a lot larger, and also they've bred for tiny feet, big bodies a long time ago. We're starting to get away from that. You don't see that as much anymore. There's a few that still do it, but in general, um, their hoof has um, been not bred into, bred out, <laughs> because we're looking for other, other things for the shows. Mm-hmm. So when, when people say navicular disease, what is it that they're talking about? Well, it's kind of a catch-all phrase anymore. Uh, you're starting to hear some farriers or veterinarians who are farriers calling it heel pain or caudal heel syndrome. Those are some other words that are being thrown out there and some of the sports medicine veterinarians. And the reason they're saying that is we found that besides the bone and the bursa, navicular bone and bursa, that sits in the heel area of the horse's hoof wall, pastern area, there's a bunch of ligaments and tendons that can also have issues as well. So the heel syndrome or caudal heel syndrome or heel disease is a better uh, definition or diagnosis than navicular because when you say navicular, people immediately think it's the bone or the bursa. Um, If you just say it's a heel syndrome horse, we know that there's some structural um, imperfection or disease going on in that heel area. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean specifically that it's just that little bone in there causing problems in the hoof. If I'm talking to vets, I'll ask them, do we know it's definitely the navicular bone? Do we know it's definitely the navicular bursa? And then they can say, yes, we did an MRI. We saw bone edema. We saw navicular bursitis. We saw um, adhesions in the bursa, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and nothing wrong with the soft tissue. Then you know it's the bone problem or it's the bursa problem. So what are the symptoms that show up in a horse that's, uh, suffering from navicular pain or that caudal heel pain. Jamie, do you know it? <laughs> okay, say ask that question again. You the, you know the the symptoms uh, that you see in a horse that's suffering from navicular or caudal heel pain. Um, I would say they kind of walk on their toes. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's that's one subject. Is they'll point the toe. The affected foot will be pointed out in front of them because that foot hurts to sit underneath them and put a lot of pressure on the heel. So they at least by pointing the foot. They also will have intermittent lameness. That's very, very common for us veterinarians to hear when the, when the client says, you know, they were off for a couple weeks and they were sound for a few weeks and they are off for a day or two and then they're sound. I think it's the right, but sometimes I think it's the left. You know, it switches from side to side sometimes. Um, those are Those are common clinical signs and history that we get. You can see it worse on the circle. Their head bobs, you know, as the lamest leg is on the inside circle at a trot. Uh, those kind of things is what you, what you hear about. So is, is it usually bilateral? Is it usually in both front legs then? Sometimes it is because, remember, the front feet take the bulk of the weight of the horse. So whatever athletic ability you're doing with the horse, whether it's reining or jumping, it's still going to put a lot of weight on that front end, even though the reiners have slides and they spin on the back end, they're still taking a lot of concussion on those front feet. So it's usually seen in both front feet, uh, but it can be one foot only 
Um, but usually, in my experience, there's always something else going on in the other front foot. It's so compensating. If, if you if you have a, a a client who's saying you know, my my horse seems like it's sometimes lame, sometimes not, and and you're starting to think maybe it has to do with navicular, how are you going to diagnose uh, the the disease or or the caudal heel pain? For um, the veterinarian experience that uh, the client's going to have, veterinarian starts off with the history and then starts off with an exam of hoof testing the foot, uh, feeling the leg, making sure there's no other abnormalities on the limb, and uh, looking at the foot, the, the shape of the foot. Is it uh, upright? Is it got low heels, long toes, um, underrun heels, long toes? Is it uneven from side to side? That kind of thing. So they, they do a good evaluation of what the foot actually looks like. Is one smaller than the other? Um, now that I'm saying this, I'd love to have all the listeners and you, Jamie and Glenn, go out and check out your horse's feet and notice, is there a foot that's smaller than the other foot in your front feet? Because there usually is one that might be a little bit smaller or very distinctly smaller. Um, uh oh, I'm raising my hand on this one. Me too. Yeah, we're not perfectly matched. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but you'd be surprised when you take your horse out on concrete and you take a really good look at it. You're like, oh, I never noticed that. Or you'll notice that one has a lower heel than the other, and that's the difference you see. But anyway, so the exam of trotting them back and forth, hard, hard, hard surface is best. Putting them at a trot, so they use trot in hand, whether it's on a lunge line or in hand trot. Flexing the um, lower limb, the flock, the pastor, and the coffin, and trotting them off. Some have done uh, a wedge um, evaluation where they put the toe up on the uh, board and they or a wedge, and they overstress the, flex, the flexor area and trot them off. So the, the exam can extend from you know very quick trot and you got a head bob with a couple steps to a real involved, you know, uh, circling and wedging and all that and watching them trot. And then the next step is they start to block out the pain. So as we're all taught in school, you start at the bottom and work up the leg because 80% of the problem is in the horse's foot. And we start with a heel block called a PD block. And you block both nerves that goes to the heel and the sole. And then you trot the horse again after the block is kicked in. It's usually about 10 minutes. And see if that horse felt much better and starts to look good and a lot of times they do and then it switches to the other leg and then the other leg starts to hop and they're like oh, I didn't know it was both front feet I thought it was just the right front or it was just the left front so then that one they're bob head bobbing you do the circles and you flex it again and then you know, the whole nine yards and then you do a PD block on that and all of a sudden you've got this horse that's extending out its front feet not doing little short choppy trotting steps and really looks comfortable and happy and so once you get to that point, are there other diagnostics that you use, like the x-rays and, and the MRI? Of course. That's, you know, I mean, all veterinarians <laughs> are carrying x-rays and ultrasounds in the truck, so they're going to pull the x-ray out. They're going to take an x-ray of the foot, preferably without the shoes on. Because it's hard to see the navicular bone or the wings of the navicular bone with shoes on, especially if they're in a full um, circular uh, egg bar shoe. And um, you may see some distinct abnormalities in the bony um, complex of the navicular, uh, navicular bone, and that uh, will give you an immediate diagnosis that the bone is involved. There may be absolutely nothing wrong with navicular um, bone, and the old phrase they taught us when I was in school years ago was, 
If you have the clinical signs and it blocks the heels, but you have no changes on the navicular bone in the x-ray, it's still navicular. Really? And, uh, and they said that, you know, a lot of times you'll have some really, really painful horses and you won't see any changes in the bone. And those are navicular horses. And then you'll see some horses who sound and you do a pre-purchase and you take an x-ray and you'll see something wrong in the navicular bone, but they're sound. So I haven't seen the latter very much, but I have seen the earlier one where they are very lame, but there's nothing wrong with the navicular bone. And since I was a part of a study a few years back looking at navicular syndrome and trying to treat it with a particular drug, the um, amount of horses I got to see was fantastic. The numbers were incredibly high, and these horses got free MRIs. And what an eye-opener for me I found MRI to be. It's an expensive procedure, I realize, but it gives the veterinarians and the horse owners so much more information about their horse's heel that they can make a proper diagnosis and find a proper treatment protocol. You don't have to submit your horse to the pasture if you get a heel syndrome issue. You need to find out exactly what that is. The horse is not done at five, six, seven years of age because it has navicular, in quotations, navicular syndrome, or heel syndrome, which would be more appropriate, because it may not be the bone. It may be soft tissue structure that just needs time to heal. Uh, and might need just some podiatry changes to help with the healing, things like that. So MRI is my new friend when it comes to heel syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not my horse owner client's new friend because of the expense, but it has helped me make a better diagnosis and give a better prognosis for what the horse no. can or cannot do. Just and I am, I'm going to interject here that on that study that Dr. Jones mentioned, uh, my horse, one of my horses, was submitted to that study and didn't get included in it, but did get the MRI. And the MRI made it very clear what was actually going on with him. And this was with his previous owner, who is a good friend of mine, and so I was aware of all of this when it was going on. I, I know his full history, but that MRI really, for me, when I purchased him made me feel much more comfortable that that his navicular or heel pain issues were things something that that I could manage um, and with my my vet and my farrier so that information just was really really helpful now uh, if I can jump in here too because the MRI dr. Jones you're right this is this is going to revolutionize horse uh, equine diagnostics I think it's just uh, to be able to do this now you, you get it. However, um, just because a friend of mine just had to get an MRI on her horse, just so you know, at about the expense of $2,500, it is not covered by insurance. Some MRI. will cover. Some will cover. There oh, are yeah, some insurance companies, that. yes, that have covered it. I've had some split the difference. They cover half. I've been amazed. And I had a client tell me up front, I'm not doing MRI because they're not going to cover it. My, my um Insurance said they wouldn't cover it. Then they found um, there was a local hospital here in Florida. Well, I don't know if they're still doing it. Was trying to encourage people to do MRIs, so they dropped their price incredibly to the point that they weren't making money. Uh, they were probably just paying for, barely paying for the machine, but not making any money on it. And so I told her, I said, "Hey, they dropped the price. It's, it's not, you know, it's not a hundred bucks, but it's still expensive. But it's a heck of a lot cheaper. About ha- almost half as much, not half as much, but you know." 75% of what the normal fee is, do you want to do it? And she thought about it, and she said, sure, I'll do it. She went and had it done, submitted it, went ahead and submitted it to the insurance company, and they ended up paying for it. Even wow. though they said up front they weren't going to pay for it. 
So interesting. Was, so yes, I found that to be very interesting. So, so I just I want to kind of bring this around back to these horses that have um, have been diagnosed. Say so you get to do the MRI or you diagnose it using other uh, conventional methods. Um, so, is this? You'd mentioned it's not the end of a horse's career. What are the options for these horses? Can we? Is it okay? for them to have a little bit of butte so that they can go on and maybe be a 4-H horse or a lesson horse like Jamie's looking at. Um, are, are there some options for horses? Well, I think uh, Jamie could probably chime in on this one and, and the fact that her friend did the MRI and she, she knew the information she got from it as well as you, Michelle, is let's just take, for example, there, there's three main structures you want to kind of think about in the back side of the heel. There's far more than that, but there's, there's three, one, three or four of them that, that really come to mind to me. Navicular bone navicular bursa, deep digital flexor tendon, and then the collateral ligaments that attach the um, coffin bone to the bone, the short pastern above it. These structures um, can be affected in severe ways, and to know which structure or if all of them or a little bit in one and a lot in the other are affected helps plan the treatment protocol because you don't treat a soft tissue injury the same as a bone, and you don't treat a bone the same as soft tissue. So if you want to say, for example, your 4-H horse, uh, has heel syndrome, and they do an MRI. I know it's a 4-H horse, and you think, gosh, it's not a lot, you know, it's a lot of money for just a horse that I'm just doing a 4-H on. And they find out that it has a very large tear in its deep digital flexor tendon. You really don't want to butte that horse and continue to ride it or jump it. You're just going to mm-hmm. tear the tendon more. And so really having that information would make a good makes a good judgment call on what to do with your your pony. Now let's say that that little 4-H pony went in and um, just had some bone edema and navicular bursitis. Well, you can treat the bone edema now if you import the drug, and I've seen some great results on the drug that I have imported since 2003 called Tildren, on some bone edema, making those bones feel much better, probably reorganizing the bone. I never get a client to go back and re-MRI, so I can't tell you if the bone definitely improved. But clinically, the horse improved within a month to two months. And the bursitis, uh, we either treated with bute or we injected the bursa. And the horse is back being shown and not having any detriment to string itself worse by being shown. So I hope those were two good examples for you to understand that the MRI really helps make a good judgment call on what to do with your 4-H pony or your big show jumper or even just your trail riding horse or your, your buddy that is it time to go to pasture or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that navicular word used to be awfully scary. I remember um, people kind of whispering, you know, so-and-so's horse has been diagnosed with navicular, um, and it doesn't seem like, like that's the case anymore, that we do have some options. Absolutely. No. And the number one thing that your veterinarian is going to prescribe is probably shoeing changes or shoeing aids, such as a, an egg bar shoe, uh, maybe a wedge temporarily, um, and things like that that uh, will help the heel area of the horse's foot. Maybe spreading the heels so that you can get more of your bars because they're underrun and, and uh, they're contracted. So you're probably going to jump to podiatry care right off the bat if you don't run out and get your MRI, but I would recommend getting your MRI and then go to your farrier, make your changes while they're getting the MRI results back to your vet, and then the vet can do whatever they need to do based off the MRI results. 
Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Jones. And I want to point uh, people to thehorse.com. Um, I'm putting an article. It's number 17730. If you put that in the search bar on thehorse.com, you can read more about navicular disease. I'm also posting that up on Facebook, um, on the horse's Facebook page, if, if you're interested in reading more about it. We have lots of good information. Um, there's lots of information, lots of things to learn about navicular disease. Big topic. You're welcome. I hope this helped Jamie with her decision. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. So basically, I need to take this horse, who may be a potential lesson horse, take him to the hospital, get an MRI on him, and then make a decision. <laughs> well, you can start with the X-ray. You can start with the X-ray. If they see some drastic changes in the bone, you can probably say that that's your, your primary problem. Uh, there may also be soft tissue problems with that, but you might be able to get it, you know, answered. Granted, there are some ultrasounds you can do of the pastern and the upper part of the hoof wall. You just can't get underneath the coffin very well. You can ultrasound through the frog to see some of that area, um, but you just need a veterinarian who is very, very, very familiar with doing those ultrasounds. And they are out there. They've taken extended CEs that learn how to do those kind of ultrasounds. So I'd highly recommend that you ask what kind of continuing education they've had in their ultrasound. Um. Well, there you go. Navicular disease syndrome, such a fascinating topic. To listen to more of the horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to Glenn the Geek and Jamie putting in their two cents on horse health topics, tune in to the Horses in the Morning show every Wednesday at 10 for their weekly fix of up-to-the-minute horse health information. You can also go to thehorse.com and find the mother load of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. Don't forget, support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's sponsor has been Eco Gold. Ask for Eco Gold saddle pads and protective horse boots by name at your local tax store or visit them online at ecogold.ca. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like us to cover on the show. You can subscribe to all of the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zune and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zune, or MP3 player. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.